Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, the history of food. What have human beings been eating and why? What can food teach us about history? Does historical food include a 10-year-old bag of Doritos? The host of the hit YouTube cooking show, Tasting History, Max Miller, is here to talk about the origins of birthday cake, when we started eating turkeys in Thanksgiving, and what we can learn about the past by tasting its food. If we are what we eat, please remember that Donald Trump lives on junk food. Plus, guilty pleasures. We share with our nobodies our guilty pleasures. Is this show one of them? Is taping this show one of them? We'll find out. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's conversational menu appropriately plated through topical appetizers, culminating in a main entree of reasonable discourse. And now, please welcome the woman whose conversational meal is always a smorgasbord of topical galamoffrey, Paula Poundstone. So nice to be with you all. Hey, Adam, and thanks so much to tonight's band violinist Casey Bozell. Casey is a nobody who hosts her own podcast called Keeping Classical Weird. Wow, Adam, that's fantastic. Wow. Yes. You yes, know, Paula? I'm finding that I guess it was because of the uh, stress and the isolation of the period of time that we're in, but I have to have noise all the time now. And so I, I literally carry my laptop around the house with me so that I can be watching MSNBC or something or or the PBS News Hour or and I watch them over and over again. And therefore, I keep seeing this Tide Pod commercial. It shows a little kid sort of you know reaching up uh, on a step stool to grab something, and it says it only takes a second for an everyday item to become dangerous. Well. Tide Pods are, they're, they're colorful, right? They're, they're, they look attractive for a reason. So, you know, nobody goes, get off the doormat, get off the doormat. Every, an everyday <laughs> item doesn't automatically, mittens, run, it's mittens. Uh, no one does that. Uh, look, it's a chainsaw that looks like candy. Get away from it. Um, they've purposely made themselves to look like candy, and that's why it's an issue. Uh, when I was a kid, my mother had, a, you know, a laundry room, and I, I, I mean, I, I messed around in the kitchen by myself here and there, but I never once went down to the laundry room and chowed down on, on detergent yeah. because it wasn't appealing. It didn't look yummy. 
That's yeah, I totally is. agree with you. I'm against that, and I'm against uh, I'm against that um, new brand of uh, rat poison shaped like baby pacifiers. Yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> that it's is a terrible a big, idea. Why would you do it's that? A, it's a terrible idea. Well, rats yeah. love it. Um, really fools the rats. <laughs> <laughs> they look they look so content and happy for the last few seconds of their lives. Yeah. They make a suckling sound as they go down. Um in fact on the box it says Willard's favorite. Um you know the the movie Willard stays in my head. Like that movie came from a long time ago and I don't know if they did a remake or not, but I certainly never saw the remake. Um but I think they did a sequel. They did do a sequel, Ben. But but I, I mean, I saw that movie. I think I was in the junior high when I saw that movie, and it stays in my head. I remember so much about oh, yeah. it because it was really kind of a biopic for me. <laughs> because for a while, I had a um, I I don't even know what you call a group of rats. What it's what is it? A pride of rats? It's not what a gallimaufry. What's a group, what's a group of a rats? Pack. Do you think? It's probably oh, a pack. maybe a pack. Bonnie yeah. Bonnie Burns yeah. is right because you know they did call it the Rat Pack. They didn't call it the the rat pride. Yeah, or the rat. Oh, that's one of my favorite things to look up. By the way, is what you call various groups of animals, like a murder um, of crow. Well, I, yes, exactly. An un- unfriendliness of ravens. Uh, a, uh, I believe it's a congress of apes. It might be an enunciation. Oh, of unkindness doves. of ravens. What? It might be an enunciation of dr- of doves. An enunciation of doves. I think so. Are they particularly clear? No, it's, it's, I think it's more like the religious enunciation than it is. I could be making all this up, but I know that Tony Anita Hull is Googling it right now at her home in Studio City. So, Tony, is? what is it? Tony, are you Googling right now? Um, so, first of all, a group of rats is called a mischief. Oh, a wow, mischief that's of great. Rats. Oh, that is fantastic. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The one I'm looking at says a colony is for rats. So Land Romo texted me that it's called a mischief of rats, and I also Googled it, and it's called a mischief of rats. So we have two is to one. any one of you just listening to the show? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a colony. No, 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 Bonnie, a colony is, is, is a rat living space. Okay, what about a shrewdness of apes? That's right. Shrewdness? No, I thought it was a Congress of apes. Tony? That sounds like the Senate. (laughs) It's called a shrewdness of apes. There you go. I don't like that as much. It's a group of apes. It's called a shrewdness. And how about those doves? How about those doves there? The doves? Uh, I don't know. Welcome She's to Googling with Bonnie Burns and Tony Anita Hall. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just so the nobodies know, uh, when we have a meeting on the phone, on a, we have a, a meeting on the conference call, um, I, one of my great frustrations with my coworkers is that, you know, we're trying to talk about something and they're right. all Googling while we're Constantly having a conversation. Googling. Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, "What did you say?" I'm sorry. What did you say? Like, <laughs> when, and when you say they're like you, you at that moment did a pretty spot on impression of Bonnie Burns. In I what way? Really? Oh, yeah. they? Because I, I never, said they. I never ask for things to be repeated. That's right. Tony <laughs> just Tony, Tony just kind of melts away in shame and assumes that she'll figure it out later <laughs> through context. 
Exactly. Okay, but I have a really good one for you guys, and you know I'm really smart and I've really done well. So here it is. I think you'll enjoy it. A group of skunks is a stench. Is it the same Did you say you're really smart and you've really done well? Is that I what think you she said? was Klobuchar. I'm Amy Klobuchar. I'm oh. Amy Klobuchar. And I really I'm support sorry. Joe Biden. I want you to all vote for Joe Biden. I love that we have an Amy Klobuchar who can't really say her name. <laughs> oh, my God. Amy, do you have a little mound of snow on your head right now? Because I loved that when you made your... Um, you know, when you got in the race and you made your speech in Minnesota and the snow landed on your head? Is there snow is there snow on your head now, Amy? Ouch. <laughs> we don't even know what no. you're saying, Amy. I think I, she I, said I think ouch. Amy, it comes I down in ind- it it does it comes down in individual flakes. It doesn't just land all at once where it would hurt you. That's <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's a flake okay, up boy. my head. She really understands the character. Um, let's... Um... <laughs> I'm well-intended. Yeah. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, Amy, you're what? very well-intended. Let's uh, take a moment and go around the horn here. Uh, I think we started with Tony last week, so... Um, uh, let's start, uh, up in the Simi Valley, uh, our Amy Klobuchar impressionist, Paula's manager, our producer, <laughs> Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns. How the hell are you? I'm really good. Thanks for coming to me. Okay, you're welcome. No, it's okay. Amy, can we talk to Bonnie for a second? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm here. Okay, Okay. I know you're going to ask me what I've been doing. Yes. So here's what, but when I tell you, Paul's going to make fun of me, so, but here Uh it goes. No, I'm not. No. I've been watching, I really like football. I really like the Seattle Seahawks. I'm from Seattle, and I've been watching a lot of that, so there you go. And I really like to look at the quarterbacks, and I really like to look at the bodies. I love to see how they play, and the tight ends too. <laughs> but the quarterbacks, number one, they're really smart. These athletes are so talented; they're in incredible shape. And so, Barney, some of you them just have trying to tell bodies. us that you're hot for quarterbacks? I, it's not just the quarterbacks, but some of these people have really great bodies. Oh boy! Come on. I'm so glad we do this audio only because I'm worried about it like a Jeff Tubin moment right here. <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> Bonnie, just so you know, their upper bodies aren't really that size. That's padding. <laughs> no, I'm telling you some of the things these guys do, they're, spe- they're magnificent athletic specimens. I totally and, agree, which is why I think it's really sad that they're beating their brains out at such a young age. Okay, here's the thing, which I know Paula's not going to believe me, but, you know, 26 years, I kind of know what some of her reactions are going to be. They okay. really have made a lot of modifications about what they'll allow players to do that have minimized the possibility of head injuries. This is true. There have been rule modifications in the NFL, but this is not sports talk with Bonnie Burns. This is no, this I'm is just, not. you know, I know this wasn't a very exciting thing to say. Usually I have better stuff, but. Bonnie, it's not a contest. What? It's not a, just so you know, it's not a contest, but if it was, okay. 
If it was, you just put three points up on the board. Um, <laughs> I could come up with a good knock-knock joke. No, no you can't. Remember any. <laughs> you could tell one for me. Nobody's no, telling knock-knock no. jokes here. Nobody likes them, Bonnie. A knock-knock joke. Bonnie, maybe you would like to read from your book of puns, or, or maybe you would like to just scratch your nails on a chalkboard for a little while. Oh my god! I had okay. This is the last thing I had orgain for breakfast and lunch today, just to put in a good word for one of our sponsors. I one of our you new didn't, sponsors. You didn't yeah. eat it out of the. You didn't just eat the powder, did you? That is so gross. Okay, this is really gross. This is how, okay. This is how much I like it. It's so gross, but I'm gonna admit it. I slice bananas, I put the bananas on the powder, I smush it with a fork, and then I eat that. Yeah, that is gross. Okay. Yeah. But I don't really like bananas. That's how yeah, good the I powder just, a is. A smushed banana doesn't sound good to me. I just, bananas are too yeah. powerful uh, for me. They're, the, the taste yeah. is too powerful. <laughs> I mean, not the actual, no, I mean, I can defeat a banana, don't get me wrong. If a big banana right. comes at me, you just, you punch it, yeah. your hand goes right through the peel. But... The flavor is too powerful for me. The flavor makes my gums hurt. So the only way that a banana could beat you in one-on-one combat is to leap into your mouth. Exactly. Because, you know, I before the pandemic, Adam, let me just make it very clear that I used to take Taekwondo and um, kickboxing. And so, you know, just let a fucking banana come at me. I get the <laughs> shit out of a banana. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you might have a great future once all this COVID stuff is behind us of, uh, you know, professionally wrestling fruit. That would be fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Adam, yeah. answer the phone. Adam, answer the phone. What, really? <laughs> yeah. A little early for that, but okay. Uh, hello. Hey, Adam. Hey, hey man. It's just me, Mike Bo- Bo- Bonifet. And, hey, Mike uh, Bonifet. <laughs> I haven't you? talked to you in so long, man. I miss you so much. You know, it's because... Uh, you know, I've been down in Florida at the beach and shit, and, uh, but you know what, I'll tell you, I didn't used to like that bitch that you work with, Paul Poundstone, but I gotta say, oh. that was a f- fucking great Mike, idea. Mike, fight- you, no, yeah. Mike, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that kind of language about, about my beloved partner, Paula Poundstone. If you want to say words like that, you can take that elsewhere, Mike. Yeah, man, wink, wink. Uh, but you know what I was thinking, no. like... Uh, that's a that's a fucking great idea. Like her fighting a banana, you know. I'd like to see her fight a banana, like in a in, in like a loose outfit, not a tight outfit. You know what I mean? Just a loose outfit. Uh, and, no, uh, I don't uh, know what you mean. Why would you want to? Yeah, like a loose I don't outfit. Okay. Like the opposite of tight. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But uh, anyways, look, man, I I gotta go. I hope I. I, I Hey, am I the hundredth caller? No, Mike, you're caller number ninety-six in our hundredth caller contest, which is starting ah, to make me very nervous. Oh man, man, I, you know what, you and me, man, I would love to hang out with you after the game. It sounds like Barney Burns wants to hang out with you after the game, man. The way she talks about that football, she really loves well, that football. <laughs> I'm not. I am far from a football player, Mike. I'm about as far from a football yeah. player as you can get. Well, you know, I used to play a little football years ago before they changed the rules. Uh, all right, I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> Bye, Mike. Wow. Bye, all right, Mike. Let's, Bye, Adam. Love you, man. Let's uh, let's suck. Uh, <laughs>
Let's close the box labeled Bonnie Burns and open the one labeled Tony Anita Hall in Studio City, California. How are you, Tony? Um, I'm great. I, uh... <laughs> What's new? So, you know how I love kids, right? Yeah. No. You guys know that I love kids? I love no. kids. That's why I'm always talking about baby stuff. Oh. Yeah. I thought you just liked the gizmos. You're not sneaking up on babies and, and, and sucking those boogers out with those nose freedas, are you? <laughs> How did you know? It's <laughs> an unusual crime spree. Um, I'm not allowed near parks anymore. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to freeze my eggs. Isn't that exciting? What? <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to do that? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. That's yeah, kind of wonderful. Great idea. Um, yeah, so you can be like 80 and find the right guy. And then, <laughs> you know, you can have children when you're like 81. That'll be fantastic. Exactly. I'm excited. Yeah. I think that's wow. wonderful. Um, when are you doing this? Um, hopefully early next year. So I should, I'll probably be on these calls just like sobbing because I'll have to have hormone shots. Oh, but okay. I am hoping to have some embryos too, so that would be good. So I'm wow. going Embry- to make minute, my Tony. embryos with me. Yeah, who's going to make embryos? Salad embryo. <laughs> 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 it's like a fruit salad with a cream kind of a what is that? Embryo, embryo. isn't it a salad? Uh-huh. Oh, no. ambrosia. My mistake. Ambrosia. <laughs> yeah, different thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't freeze your ambrosia. Right. You don't want to freeze an ambrosia. I think you're right, Paula. But, Tony, um, an embryo requires... Uh, it takes I, two to embryo. I know. So who's... I'm um, fully aware of that. I, whose I DNA can't are say. you using? You I can't, can't say. say yet. I, I can't say. I haven't made the ask. This is so exciting. Tony... Is it Brian Cranston? Because my dog Mo was looking at me funny earlier, <laughs> and you know how she is about Brian Cranston. Is it gonna? Is it Brian Cranston? I mean, if he's it, open to it, I'm not gonna if say we, no. If we guess, will you tell us? You're not gonna guess. You don't know the person. Do you, um, Tony? Do you need any ice cube trays? Because I have some. <laughs> I will let you know. I will okay, let thank yeah. you for the offer. It means a lot. Yeah, you're making a uh, yeah, you're making a uh, uh egg an, egg pop. That's great. A frozen egg an pop. Egg oh, pop. you'll a be so glad you pop. did next summer because that's you know, when it gets really hot, you go, "Oh my gosh, I wish I had a cold." <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I had a cold uh, unfertilized egg. <laughs> that would really But just be think good. we could we could have a little pod baby. Wouldn't that be oh, cute? Oh, we could have a pod baby. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I'd be so into that. Yeah. 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 You know what? I, I got to tell you something, Tony. If you have a baby, you're not going to work on the podcast anymore. <laughs> you're going to get... <laughs> That's not true. That's not, that is no, it not is true. true. You would be so baby whipped. You you would just be like, I can't, I can't do anything. Was I supposed to book a guest? I'm sorry, I can't yeah, because no, the baby um, was. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, we're just gonna have the eggs first. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
And then get the bacon. Get the bacon later. Get like a, and some toast. <laughs> That's what I say. I, I am woman. Bacon. Hear me roar. Wow. Oh, that's, well, that, that's, that's very pretty exciting, exciting news. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It is exciting. I thought about just having, like, going for the baby, but I'm not ready for that. So I'm just going to freeze the eggs. Yeah, I hear you. That, that, that makes sense. That's, that's sensible. Start with the eggs. Work your way up to the baby. Eggs, exactly. eggs are so much easier to take care of. Well, you know what else you could do if you wanted to do it a little faster? Just start with the arms. Wait, what? And then just... <laughs> the arms. Yeah. And then you just assemble the baby, you know. Get the arms and then maybe knit some sleeves and just start with that, you know, see how that works out. And then add, like, you know, a head. Being, being the one here has gone through that process or, or done, done that with my partner, that's not strictly how it works, Paula. You didn't knit sleeves with your partner. That's not true. No, I mean, the, <laughs> the, you got me there, but I was talking about the whole baby. Th- you know what? Never mind. Paula, do you have a yeah. word this week? You know, I do have a word. Let me see if I can okay. find it. It's around here somewhere. <laughs> Hold on. Um, okay. It's rapacity. It's a noun that means aggressive greed. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Stephen Mnuchin brimming with rapacity, met with investors to alert them to the severity of COVID-19 before telling the American public. We'd better remember this word. It's going to come wow. up a lot, I think. Um, yeah. In fact, you know what? I'm going to put it right in my vocabulary song. Hold on. Oh. Well, no one saw that coming, oh. but okay. Oh, wait. I got <laughs> this. Uh, I got a huge... Um, what... Uh, Glockenspiel. I got a giant glockenspiel. It just takes. Uh, I've huh. got a couple wow. of moving men that move it for me. Fellas, that's, that's bring it exciting. over here. Bring it over here. Okay, here it is. <laughs> this week's word is rapacity. It's a noun that means aggressive greed. The filthy rich are still in need. Last week's word was putative. It's an adjective that means generally considered as or believed to be. The national anthem was written by Francis Scott Key. The week before that, the word was asseveration. <laughs> it's a noun that means a solemn or emphatic statement or declaration. If we're too stupid to wear masks, we're all done. Going back before that, we had purulent. <laughs> it's an adjective that means consisting of containing or discharging pus. I hope that never happens to us. And not long ago, we had seminal. It's an adjective that means of a work, Yikes. event, or idea strongly influencing later developments. The Democratic <laughs> Convention had virtual celebrants. Let's never forget Gallimaufry which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do. Yeah, wow. Woo! That was fantastic. Oh, my God. All the hours of rehearsal. Yeah. Quite a song there, Paula. Um, Yeah. Well, I spent all week rehearsing, and uh, so that's why I've been so tired lately. It really pays off, although I have to say your your new 
Giant-sized glockenspiel sounds a lot like the old one. It isn't. Okay, well, there we have that going on. <laughs> All right, coming up, Jonathan Swift said he was a bold man that first ate an oyster. What is the history of our eating habits? Max Miller, the host of Tasting History, is here to uncover what historical figures ate and what that tells us about history. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. 
That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Mrs. Ken Jennings said, You don't have to buzz. Just ask me. (laughs) Thank you, house band Casey Bozell. Sounds fantastic. Now, um, Paula, uh, you've, you've got some very strong opinions about food and what it tells you about people, right? Oh, yeah. I, you know, uh, this comment about Trump eating junk food and people being made of what they eat. I hate to diss junk food that way. I love junk food. And you are demonstrably not junk, Paula Poundstone. No, not junk at all. You know, I, I fight the occasional banana. Right, Um. but that's in a wrestling capacity. It's a a very different thing, and our guest is going to have no idea what we're talking about. But um, that's good. But uh, you know, fortunately, Paula, we have somebody on the phone who explores history through the lens of the stomach. Max Miller's love of history led him to try to put himself in the shoes of historical figures. He figured out there was no better way to do so than tasting the food that they would have eaten back then in the history. The result is his hit YouTube show, Tasting History, where he makes recipes from the past. We're thrilled he's here. Please welcome Max Miller! Yeah! Hey, Max! Thank you for having me. Oh, you know, I I looked at some of your shows on YouTube, and they're terrific, Max. I really thank you. I I really enjoyed them. You can do all sorts of stuff that I have no ability to do whatsoever. But I have to tell you, <laughs> my manager and co-producer, uh, Captain Crinkle, aka Bonnie, Bonnie Burns, Burns yeah. she tried to make homemade butterfingers one time, <laughs> and she brought them in for us when we were in a studio. Max, they were awful. They were horrible. Have you ever made stuff for your show that just didn't come out good? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes sometimes I end up throwing them in the trash. Um, and then sometimes I look at the recipe and I'm like, there's nothing I can do to make this turn out well. And so those usually end up on the show. Now, when you're making a recipe from the past, how do you know you're not you know, pulling a Bonnie Burns and just making it wrong if it doesn't taste right. You don't. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true because, you know, so sometimes there are contemporary accounts of things. So, you know, if say, say you're making a Butterfinger uh, and all that you have is like a recipe, but then you also have writings from people from now saying, oh, a Butterfinger is delicious. It has a, you know, it's crunchy and a nice Crispity crunchy, yeah. Yeah, crispity crunchy. So you can go on those. And so if you end up making it and it's like, well, this is soggy and and kind of tastes like dog, then you know you've done something wrong. (laughs) But It's almost like you were there eating that Butterfinger. Exactly. (laughs) So... But sometimes so, you don't have those those records, so you just kind of have to 
take a guess and you might be wrong. The nice thing is nobody can correct you because they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to have that. Absolutely that's, right. We're going to have that soon all over. Um, now, <laughs> Max, I have a dark sense of humor. Do you have an example of a food that you made that you researched um, some sort of chatter about it so that you had some guardrails uh, for how it should be? Yeah, uh, sometimes. So one of my episodes was on garum, uh, which is the the fish sauce of ancient Rome. It's a fermented fish sauce from ancient Rome, and they put it on Max, absolutely everything. you don't have everything. to tell me what garum is. What are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you have to tell me. Oh my God, Adam, Adam, I've told you over and over again. It's a fermented fish sauce from ancient Rome. What the fuck? Again? Of with the, oh, that garum, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, right. and it's a, it's a Valentine's Day favorite. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to yes and her. You're under um, you're under no oh, obligation no, to yes do. and her, Mac. All right, I'm sorry to interrupt about the garum. It's just that you know it rung such a bell for me. Go ahead. <laughs> uh no, it's so there are a lot of writings from the time on garum because it was so popular. I mean it was absolutely in everything. It was basically how they salted their food back then. And huh. the, the the stuff that I ended up making was called quick garum, and it was from a slightly later recipe that was basically like, if you only have one day and you want to make garum, here's how you do it. The real stuff is fermented, so it takes months, but I live in a condo, so that was not about to happen. Um, <laughs> but there, When you said you were making the garum, and you made a quick garum, and you said, I made it from, and I thought for sure you were going to say, a package. It's like you went to the store. <laughs> Ancient Roman packaging. Quick garum, you know, the, 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 and, and you could get it um, gluten-free or with gluten. Um, Just to add all right. water. Well, that's, that's, a tough one to just, that's a tough one to explain away to a co-op board. I do get that. So you made the quick garum. I made the quick garum, and it's still, I mean, our house smelled like fish for like two weeks. It was pretty bad. But uh, but there were so many writings from the time, not just on how to make it. In fact, there aren't very many on how to make it, but there were tons on what it should taste like and what it was used for. And we can always glean stuff from the actual recipes that things are used in. Mm -hmm. But um, but there are a lot of other ingredients that we don't know that we can kind of glean stuff from from the writings. Uh, wow. But again, you could always that be is... wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How yeah. did the garum like, come out? Yeah. Shouldn't have put the chocolate chips in there. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate chips are never a mistake, Paula. Um, yeah. Well, you're right about that. No, the garum that I made turned out, eh, I mean, it was fishy. You know, it was it was fishy. It definitely isn't the same as as the the real stuff, but it did the job. You know, I cooked with it and it imparted salt and, you know, it did its job. But then I've you can oh, still that's... find like fermented fish sauces today from from the Far East and and some from Italy and you cook with those and it's like, "Oh, I was missing a whole host of flavors." You know, really complex kind of almost a sweet flavor next to the salty. So, get oh. the real stuff. Well, Get one the of the ways yeah. I would think, Max, that you could tell if you'd made your garum correctly is you put it out maybe on, maybe just near the front door. And if a bunch of ancient Romans gather, <laughs> so look at the guy. Yeah. Yum, it's garum. I'm not really, not really sure of that as a, as a strategy. Given, 
I'm assuming that Max lives here in the United States. I do, but you know what? I'm willing to give it a shot. If Paula says, then I'm going to do. So, Oh, man, that is, that is a winning attitude, uh, Max. Um, I love to cook, but uh, when you're doing historical cooking, do you want to use their techniques? Do you want to actually use their utensils and stuff, or do you substitute stuff? So want and uh, what I actually do are two different things. I would love to actually use the utensils and everything, but because I cover so many time periods, that would require me to have, you know, 20 different full kitchens uh, Mm -hmm. because a Roman kitchen is different from a Victorian kitchen is different from a medieval Indian kitchen. Um, So I, I actually make everything so you can do it at home. And it started out that I was doing that from necessity because, you know, I, I didn't have a job and, and I couldn't afford anything. <laughs> but it's turned into kind of a, oh, I did this on purpose because I found that a lot of people, it, it encourages people to actually try some of these things at home. Um, you know, because they're like, oh, well, I have all of these tools. Maybe some ingredients are a little hard to find and I always try to put links on where you can get them. Um, though I spent today searching for cuttlefish and I don't think that's going to happen, but, um, you're not supposed to cuddle right now anyways, Max, because of the virus. Quarantine so, don't, fish. so don't cuddle, not even with fish. It's not safe. It's not safe. Um, uh, do you ever have an, yeah. a, a recipe that instructs you to, um, uh, beat in powdered ingredients with cat of nine tails, that sort of thing. Something that, <laughs> A tool I mean, that you could just use. Uh, never a cat of nine tails. I'm I'm curious exactly how that would how that would go. But there are definitely tools where you know it'll say like mix with a birch whisk. Well, I don't have a birch whisk, but I have a whisk, so I use a regular whisk. And maybe the birch imparted some sort of other flavor to it. Probably did, but. Um, but I you're not going to Burbank, go, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, li- I like to picture you just go, just bringing a whole birch tree through the front door, uh, and trying to, you know, bring that ball over here. I'll, I'll take your the tree. switch. It, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So one of the episodes that I watched, Max, was the one where you explained about the birthday cake. Will you, will you explain the origin of the birthday cake? Yeah. Um, so the birthday cake, it has a few different origins. Um, it, you know, what we have now is kind of a conglomeration of a few different traditions. Um, in ancient Greece, they actually made these round cakes that were meant to symbolize the moon that they would uh, give over to the the moon goddess and the goddess of the harvest uh, kind of as an offering. And Possibly, we don't know, but possibly they put candles on it again to kind of light it up like the moon, and they would when do that on her round, birthday. Do you mean spherical or no? No, okay. No that, round. That's a cake pop. That that's is a, not that easy is a to cake do. pop. <laughs> Ancient Greeks, they could do anything. Uh, yeah, but no, it, it wasn't. It, they were they were round with a flat bottom because they set them on the ground. Okay, uh, but then you know it. it kind of goes through history because in Rome, when uh, men would turn, I believe it's 50, then they would get a big cake. 
uh, made for oh, them. Oh, they had to make it all the birthday. way to 50 to get a birthday They had to make cake? it all the way to 50. Yeah, special wow. cake, I suppose. And women, yeah, they didn't get anything, you know. Uh, yeah, really not I'm fair. not surprised. <laughs> Just like today. Yeah, um, it's very similar. And then, in, and then they really became popular, though, as we know them today in Germany, kind of in the late medieval, early, early modern period, when they became cakes for children, for children's birthdays. And children had birthday parties. They were the first parties, and they would put the, the candles on, and you made wishes. Um, though it was a little dark because it was thought that on a child's birthday, they were more susceptible to like bad spirits and and ghosts coming to get them. So yeah, they the, are. The can- <laughs> this, this is true. Uh, yeah. The candles were there to to frighten off said spirits. Um, oh, Max, when did the gift bag come into children's birthday parties? You know, the god awful <laughs> gift bag. I'm I'm that assuming the in the worst. 80s because that's when I was growing up and I remember oh those little bags oh, very they were well. Horrible, they were oh, horrible. Oh no, Hor- horrible the gift bags. Um, uh, what was the food that you talked about earlier? The fish, the fish food, garum. 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 Garum, Paula. Yeah. I thought you yeah. knew garum. <laughs> oh, I do. I just have some memory problems. Oh, uh, very well. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I can easily remember back to my ancient Roman. Roots. Um, Garum. All right. So it started out, there was the cake for the guys over 50, or when a guy hit 50, and, and then, of course, the women got nothing. And then, and then they started doing these birthday parties. for. When did the bouncy house come in? Do you have any idea when the bouncy house came in? <laughs> I feel like that might be outside of Max's purview. It I'm going to put it on my list of things to look up, though. Yeah. <laughs> Because they do them, you can get a bouncy house in the shape of a castle. That's not That's a coincidence. True. That's true. Very yeah. medieval. Very medieval. <laughs> Somewhat medieval. Uh, Max, let's talk about where you're finding these recipes. Because until I discovered you, it never really occurred to me that people have been writing down how they make food for a long time, right? Yes, though not as much as, as uh, you might like, at least if you're in my position. Um, right. They, they didn't. So, how did they do the measuring, Max? They didn't use cups and teaspoons, right? Isn't it just a handful? No, that's that's so cups, teaspoons, things like that, ounces. Those are fairly new, especially in the realm of uh, recipes. They really didn't get standardized until the 19th century, only about 150 years ago. Though even wow. in medieval, yeah, it's really really new, but. In, in medieval recipes, you'll often get, you know, they talk about pounds and ounces, especially if the food is being used for, like, a medicinal purpose. So I did an episode on uh, Hippocris, which is a spiced wine with a bunch of different spices, and that one has very precise measurements of exactly how much to put in because it was a medicine. So it would be like, you know, mixing your your pills. Um, but But usually it was more like, a handful of this or um, the the amount of cinnamon that would fit on a penny. So you'd, really? you'd measure it, how much can you fit on a head of a penny and dump it in. Um, and then a lot of it was to taste. And the worst part really actually is when it comes to the actual cooking instructions, because I can't tell you how often a recipe will say, till it be enough. Who knows oh, how much wow. that is? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. A, f- a phrase that the Koch brothers' mother never used. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Till it be enough, boys. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Plus, well, in terms of heating, right, they didn't know what the yeah. temperature was. And they couldn't, not at all. they couldn't look at it through the window. Um, no. I had an experience just day before yesterday where somebody was instructing me over Zoom on how to cook a potato in the microwave. And uh, we never even thought about the fact that I was using a small potato. Uh, Like Um. I was using like literally a small potato. And and I pushed a button and it was supposed to go for five minutes and I stepped out of the room and then it burst into flames. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, my whole house smells like burnt potatoes still. Jeez, uh, they, they, your potatoes should not be doing that, Paula. Yeah, burst into flames. Uh, really? C- you know why? Because it was enough. It was <laughs> enough. See, I got to say, that's a YouTube channel all in of itself, Paula, of, of just Paula Poundstone learning how to cook things in her kitchen. <laughs> Film it. I would watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, learning is a strong word. Well, you know, Jean-Antoine Briasseverin wrote, quote, the discovery of a new dish does more for the happiness of the human race than the discovery of a star. Stay tuned as we find out more about food throughout history and what it tells us about the people who ate it. The Cat of the Week is Rizzy from Seattle, Washington. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) (laughs) 
and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so, it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back with Max Miller, the host of Tasting History. Hello, Max. When you're when you, when you're making stuff, when you're when you're brewing up one of these historical recipes, do you ever come across an ingredient where a you don't know what it is, or b you just don't know how to find it? Yes, yes to both. Um, so I'm I'm actually kind of going through that right now. A lot of things, both you don't know what it is and hard to find, happen the more ancient you get. So I I'm doing an ancient Roman recipe right now. And it calls for several ingredients. Well, one is uh, for silphium. And you can't find that because it's possibly extinct. Uh, no, when it went extinct 2,000 years ago. You can't find silphium? You can't find <laughs> silphium. That's ridiculous. I live in Santa Monica, California. If you go up to the promenade, uh, I mean, unless that was one of the places they burnt down a couple months ago, there's a whole... Silphium store. It's right beside Sephora. Oh, I remember that. Silphium and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Silphium and stuff. And oh my God. Oh, it was so busy in there all the time. All Due to the of, pandemic, they went out of business. No more Sophia. <laughs> it's I don't it's know. gone. I, I and think that was they the just, last supplier. I think they that just the went all online. What's Silphium, Max? So, well, nobody really knows, but it is. It's the or it's a plant that grew in what's now northern Libya, and it had all of these properties. One, it was supposed to taste absolutely amazing, and it it kind of probably looked like a giant fennel with like little yellow little yellow flowers on it, and it was supposed to taste amazing. It was an aphrodisiac. It was a contraceptive. It could cause Boy, abortions if taken properly. It helped heal all these maladies. They say it did absolutely everything, and it was so popular that supposedly Pliny the Elder says that it went extinct uh, all the way back in the first century A.D. 
How does and a plant go extinct if everybody loves it? Don't you just plant more of it? Well, so part of the problem was they couldn't. They kept trying to uh, cultivate it, and it just wouldn't grow properly. So it had to be done wild, which uh, it, there are some plants that do that. Okay. Um, mm. But uh, there are accepted uh, substitutions. One is called asafetida, which is from the area that's now like Afghanistan, northern Iran area. And... And also they a think condom. That, you could use also a condom. condom. Yes. So, so yeah, you got to, you know, that's, it's no longer a one size fits all kind of, kind of ingredient. So you right. got to stock up. But, um, so that's, that's one, but the, there are others that we know really nothing about because we'll have a name, like from an ancient Sumerian, uh, text, we have lots of just names, and we have no idea what the ingredient is. Absolutely nothing. It could have been a rock. It could have been an onion. Nobody, <laughs> anyone's guess. Wow. So, it wasn't a rock. Definitely wasn't. A, you never know. Stone soup. Um, yeah. <laughs> though, you know, you say that. You say that, Adam. But I just read a recipe for a soup, and this is from the Renaissance, and we do know what was in it. One of the ingredients is an old horseshoe. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Yum. So it would wow. <laughs> yeah. so um it would impart iron. I was a I was against cooking with bay leaves. God, a horseshoe. <laughs> An <laughs> old you horseshoe. Accidentally get a piece of horseshoe. Old horseshoe. In yeah. <laughs> old horseshoe. Um but then sometimes you know what the ingredient is, but it's just too hard. Like there's some wonderful recipes where you're reading them and then one of the ingredients is flamingo tongue. Well, you know, the LA Zoo is closed. I'm not getting flamingo tongue anytime soon. So you just kind of pass over those recipes. But there's so many <laughs> recipes out there. You can you can pick and choose, which is nice. Huh. Wow. Um, so so few people know how to get a flamingo to stick their tongue out. That's not easy to do. <laughs> I honestly didn't even know they had tongues until yeah. I read tease, that. You just tease them relentlessly. Eventually yeah. they they will reply. Yeah. Give you a hey, pink boy, stick out your tongue. Looks like um, you have one leg, idiot. <laughs> There's one ingredient today. I wanted to make a dish, and the ingredient was, uh, it was very specific. So you've got a sow, and then this called for sow's uterus, but it needed to be the uterus of a sow who was sterile. Where are you oh. going to find that? I don't yeah. know how it affects no. the flavor, but no, where are you going to find that? No. The uterus of a sterile sow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oof. Um, all right, wait, okay. Uh, okay, here's a historic eating question. Do you think Henry VIII really ate big legs of fowl and then he just tossed the bones with no regard to hygiene? So, yes and no. So there was probably no time where, you know, that that famous painting that actually doesn't even exist, but there's there was a, a kind of a knockoff painting of him holding a turkey leg that may have happened once because he is thought to have been the first English king to eat a turkey when it came from oh. over from the New World. But wow. probably a one-time thing, wasn't a common thing. And, you know, he was, yes, he ate copious amounts of food. And yes, he was extremely unhealthy in his latter years. But there's nothing to, to say that he was particularly slovenly and the the whole idea of like throwing food on the ground and and that whole thing had pretty much ended several centuries before 
before Henry oh, so he, came they, around. He wasn't he wasn't tossing scraps and gobbets of meat to his dogs and stuff. Well, maybe to his dogs. Yes. Okay. That was still but a very not, popular not on the thing ground. to but have that's dogs. Not the same but not as on the just ground. Tossing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, because there was a time where, yeah, you would just toss it on the ground, and then somebody else would come pick it up or whatever. But he was he had so many servants around him all the time. He probably set it on the table when somebody got it. I like to. I'm I'm glad to know that he had manners. Um, yes. What? So when do you think that? Okay, this is a, a really important question socially. Uh, when do you think we started worrying about having food on our faces? <laughs> I can tell you. I don't know for sure. But King Richard II of England, who was king in the 1380s and 1390s, he was fastidious. He, was, he, he required everyone to carry a spoon with them when they came to eat. So rather than like slurping out of a bowl, they started eating with spoons. He, uh, he required people to wash their hands. There was no farting or belching at the table. Did um, they know about germs then? They didn't know about germs, but they knew about being clean. You know, I mean, you can see dirt under your fingernails and everything. But one of his things was he de- devised a pocket handkerchief essentially a napkin so that he would no longer have to wipe his mouth with his sleeve. So he was, he may have been the first one to say, you know what? No more food on your face. Everybody get a handkerchief. Yeah. He was seen as a total dandy. So I don't know that it, it stuck around. You know, I think it probably was a while before it really caught on because he was not, he, he was definitely seen as a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a fop. A fop. Oh. To put it um, nicely. Wow. Yeah. Very nicely. Are there historical recipes that you found that you were like, all right, I'd never eaten that before, but this is so good. This goes into my dinner rotation. Yeah. There's something called everlasting syllabub, which um, is basically whipped cream that has some sort of flavoring in it and then alcohol. So you make it with cream, sugar, maybe orange blossom water and like port or brandy. And so it's alcoholic, you know, boozy whipped cream. What's not wow, to like? Wow, that's And it's fantastic. super easy to make. Uh, it takes no time to make, and you can put it on cakes or pies or brownie or just eat it with a spoon. It's fantastic. Syllabub. Yes, syllabub. It was very, very popular, and it started out as syllabub uh, that was, it was not everlasting. Basically, there was a little cream on top and then a glass of, of liquor and you kind of drank the liquor through the cream, kind of like a, a cappuccino. Oh. Um, but then they made everlasting syllabub in the 18th century, where they cut down on the liquor and added more cream and sugar, and then it became more of a dessert, where there is no liquid part. It's just whipped cream. Oh, now I'm hungry. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about this, Max? Um both cheese and butter seem like a long way to go. Yes. Who, you know, you could see where somebody might accidentally drop a dough in some grease or eat a different part of a pig. But butter and cheese, that's a, that's a lengthy bridge. There's so many steps, right? How far back do you think they started? Well, so for butter, there aren't that many steps. To, to get to butter like we have exactly today, there, there are more steps. But really... 
If you no, just for me, there's about turn. ten steps. I'm sitting real near the kitchen. It's <laughs> right next to. The, if you just churn, it's mix butter for hours on end. It's going to turn or mix cream rather for hours on end. It's going to turn into butter. But cheese, it's really interesting because we don't know this, but there are some historians who think that in the Middle East or in Eastern Europe is where cheese started out, and they would have taken the. Uh, stomach of a sheep or the stomach of a goat and made it into like a, a bag. Because like I said, you didn't throw anything away. You didn't eat it, but you would keep this stomach as as a bag and put your things in there. Or mm-hmm. it could be used as a skin to drink out of, like wine. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put milk in there and it still has some what's called rennet inside of the stomach because a sheep's stomach and a cow's stomach has this uh, enzyme called rennet, which is what makes most cheeses different uh, and turns them into cheese. If it still had some of that in there and you had and you put milk in there and then you went on a long camel ride or horse ride and it churned right. for a little while and it got a little warm, when you got to your destination, you would have an early version of cheese inside That's of that amazing. stomach. Well, I want yeah. to tell you something, Max. That can be very, very dangerous. Uh, Max, let me introduce you <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people our... died while eating these. From the tyrotoxism, the poisoning by uh, cheese or other dairy products, that's a very <laughs> dangerous suggestion you just made to our listeners. In, in case you're disturbed by that, Max, that's our our beloved denuded hand puppet, Mrs. Culpepper, who appears from uh, time to time, and her her husband sadly perished from uh, tyrotoxism. I'll tell you oh, something, so Max. Sorry. It was the good of the goddam. <laughs> it was the good of goddam. So now you now you've both met Mrs. Culpepper and heard her catchphrase. So which is all uh, that anybody could hope for. But you know what? I love the idea that it, you know you're you get you get to something as complicated as cheese with sort of having cheese. And I just want to relate this to um, a lot of people who uh, who are in creationists who are intent on sh- yes. showing that evolution never happened, you know, will frequently point to things like the, the human eye or anybody's eye and say, that's too complicated to have ar- arisen naturally. And I had this wonderful teacher years ago, the way he would reply to it is say, well, the thing is, 2% of an eye is better than no eye at all. And that's right. how that comes. You get you get a little bit close, and then you refine it. Am I right? Well, and just like with you know the fossil record of evolution, a similar thing can happen with some recipes, with some dishes. You have a really complex dish like lasagna with all of these different ingredients and and really difficult to make sauces and everything. Yeah. And you can find recipes throughout history over the last three thousand years. Where it's like, oh, this is this is a, a part of that. Oh, you're now layering these pieces of dough on top of each other. Oh, now you've added cheese into the mix. So, it and you can see how they evolve. We don't have yeah, but whoever enough figured out the bechamel sauce was a genius, right? Yes, absolutely. And but see, with a lot of sauces, they are more recent because it's taken us thousands of years to figure out how to make a roux and. Um, on all of the different things to not curdle and whatnot. Oh, to, oh, for I made a rule the first time I ever tried. It didn't take me oh, a thousand brag, years. Brag, brag, <laughs> oh my god! I make a rule. She was like, putting it on the potato. 
Yeah, my rule burst into flames on a potato a couple days ago. No, man, I make a rule, you know, for like, you know, uh, that's the easiest thing I do is make a rule. You guys. (laughs) I don't even use a package. I I don't use the instant rule. I just make the rule. Oh, you You don't use the instant rule. No, no. You, uh, you, you you don't know what a rue is, do you, Paula? Rut roll. Uh, <laughs> I assume it's one of Scooby Doo's expressions. <laughs> no, it's not. Do I not? What do you mean? I don't know what a rue is. Is that what you just said about me? I, I was asking. I was asking. I wasn't yeah. saying. I, yeah. That was uh, that was a big thing in the debate. That in the last debate was uh, you know Biden and Trump going at each other. You don't know what a rue is. I do not know what a rue is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Amy McGrath accused McConnell of not knowing what a rue is, and you know what? You know what McConnell said? <laughs> Max Miller, thank you so much, and thank you for setting the table for today's discussion about the history of food. Great to have you. And now we're going to take all that information you gave us and run it through the old pouncedinator, Paula. All right, Casey, if I can get, and uh, Casey, it sounded beautiful. If I can get a little background music, I'll tell you what the pounce donator spits out. Nero, come on in. You know Marcus Cesario, Spartacus, and Augustus. Can I take your rap? Oh, that's all you have? Then hold on to it. Excuse me while I check my garum. I'm so glad you could all make it. Don't put that in your mouth, Julius. That's a Tide Pod. I know it looks like candy. It only takes a few seconds for everyday items to become dangerous. I won't even keep a birch whisk in the house. I'm sorry I'm running late. I had to go all over town looking for Sylphium. If you guys have got any maladies at all, this will heal you faster than Regenerdon. Be prepared to control yourselves, fellas, because it'll make you a little randy, too. If you're good boys, I have three kinds of bub for dessert. Everlasting syllabub, everlasting heroin bub, and everlasting gobstopper bub. (laughs) He is the host of Tasting History, and you guys should see this. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, Max Miller, thank you so much for coming down to the show. I could talk to you all day. Thank you You're so much for having Max. me. Thank you very you. much Max, for joining us. Great, thanks. I can, Thank you. you know, I got to jump off anyways because I got to put a roux on. <laughs> Coming up, guilty pleasures. We all have them, but Paula and me and Bonnie and Tony have agreed to share them with you. That's coming up right after this. Fun fact, you shouldn't feed your dogs or cats grapes because they can kill them. And you shouldn't feed them capers because they're gross. (laughs) We now join the weekly French Trump press conference in progress. 
Thank you, Mr. President. Emmett Manning, New York Newsday. Mr. President, Leslie Stahl from 60 Minutes <laughs> asked you... <laughs> Uh, sir, in your interview with Leslie Stahl, she asked... Yeah! Oh, oh, oh. oh, wait. Where'd he go? He's crouched behind the speaker, near the teleprompter. I am not! Sir, in your 60 Minutes interview, Leslie Stahl asked ah! you... Ah! Ah! Okay, sir, the interviewer suggested that you put your perceived political enemies at risk by supporting these terrible locker-up chants at your events, which you vehemently denied. Subsequently, when another such chant took place at your Arizona rally, you laughingly told the crowd that you were an innocent bystander to the incident. How does that square with being a leader? I'll tell you how it squares with being a leader. Go fuck yourself. That's how it squares with being a leader. I will lead your mother's twat. Next question. Next question. Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. President. Tom Snell from CNN again. Sir, Andy Coney Barrett did not participate in the Supreme Court rulings on extended ballot deadlines for Pennsylvania and North Carolina because she did not have time to read the briefs. Was that a blow to you? It was not the kind of blow I like. It's such bullshit. Why does she have to read the briefs? I did not put her there to read briefs. What are these briefs going to say that is any different than what any other briefs say? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Ho, ho, ho. Another episode of Dick and Jane. That sort of thing. Next question. Next question. Okay, well, speaking of Thanksgiving, everybody, uh, we have a Thanksgiving show coming up, and we would like to uh, ask you, our listeners, provide us with one of your most unusual or weird Thanksgiving memories, a story from Thanksgiving, maybe some disaster happened. Let us know about it at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com, and we might just read it on the show. All right, now, Paula... Brace yourself, it is time. We tasked each other, all of us, to come up with our our favorite guilty pleasures this week. And we're all going to step up to the mic and present them, aren't we? Yeah, we are. All right, let's go around the horn. Let's start with Tony Nita Hall. Tony Nita Hall. <laughs> I don't want to start. Fine. Um, What's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> I have so many. That's the problem. All of my pleasures are guilty. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm Catholic. Um, so uh, let's say, um, okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but um, so whenever E plays the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, I watch it. Wait, what? Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. that's that's a whenever big, the yeah. E Network plays the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. I I'll, you, I'll, I'll I'll put it on. You know, Tony, I tried to call you the other day, and usually you answer right away, but uh, I tried for a couple of days. Is that what was going on? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Probably. It was, a, it was a Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy weekend. Wow. Boy, that is. I got to say, Tony, the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy as a guilty pleasure isn't nearly as weird as watching quarterbacks prance around in tight pants. <laughs> You told us one the other day. I mean, I think you told it on the podcast. Um, I, you said that you were eating 
cake in your underwear while watching the underwear Kardashians. While watching the Kardashians. Yeah, I, that's yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. I also I nothing's going to top uh, that. You know what, Captain Crinkle? I don't think you're one to judge. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Polly Parkett comes um, out also, swinging. I, yeah, no I kidding. I also watched The Bachelorette. And The Bachelor, that's, pretty that's bad. guilty. I watch Below Deck and Below Deck Mediterranean on Bravo. Jesus. I mean, the list is long. You know, the we always talk about how busy Tony is. It turns out she isn't. <laughs> no. Well, she has to uh, relax. That's not relaxing. Tony, next time I'm going to challenge you to come out with a non-screen-based guilty pleasure. There's got to be some things that you do that aren't, oh, my God, I watch this thing. No, I don't think there is. Um, <laughs> no, like maybe hard. taking cruises t- during a plague. Oh, that oh. is a guilty pleasure. Yeah, December twenty second. Oh, like you 67 stop days it. Away. You are not. <laughs> you are not. You shouldn't just freeze your eggs. You should freeze every part of your body. You're gonna kill yourself. And yeah. then, and then, who are your eggs gonna live with? I can hardly believe that you are persistent in this absurd cruise uh, uh, notion when there's a, a virus, a killer virus going on the high seas. Tony Anita Hall, you you take better care of you. You put your eggs in the freezer and not in a basket. <laughs> uh, that's, a good, that's a good point, Mrs. Culpepper. Um, Thank you, Adam. As long as you're here, Mrs. Culpepper, what is your guilty pleasure? Well, I'll be honest with you, Adam. Sometimes, sometimes, I I believe I've mentioned to you before that my light has shined brighter uh, in the absence of Captain Culpepper. Uh, uh, Sometimes I feel uh, unleashed, you know. I feel uh, a little bit more my own woman. And, uh, of course, I feel somewhat... I feel somewhat guilty about that, uh, uh, and yet it does give me pleasure. So I guess that is a guilty pleasure. No, if your guilty ple- pleasure is your husband being dead, that's definitely a guilty pleasure. That's not uh, how I meant it, Adam Felber. But that's how it came across, Mrs. Culpepper. Oh, you know nothing of love. There was something fortuitous about that cheese, is all I'm saying. Maybe even suspiciously so. Uh, let's head on up to the Simi Valley. Bonnie no. Burns, I'm... Always going to regret asking this question, I'm sure. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? <laughs> you know what? This is the really weird thing. I don't I can't think of what my guilty pleasure is. Like what? okay, well first of all, she I She doesn't have the good sense to feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Quite likely that's true. First of all, I don't think we should have beaten up on Tony Anita Hall. We asked her what her guilty pleasure was. She told us, and then we criticized her. Okay. So besides uh, <laughs> okay. besides right. haranguing us for our treatment of Tony. <laughs> okay. I read Cosmopolitan. There you go. I try to think of something. Oh, my God. That's the worst thing. That's that the was, worst thing you could have that, said. That wasn't that, watching TV. Remember, okay. we weren't going to. Wait, gonna, what was that? Like, you know, Tony, I missed that. Reads, Could you say that again? I, I, I read. She reads Cosmopolitan. I have a subscription to Cosmopolitan. Oh my uh, gosh! Oh, God. Wow. No, at first you that, just said you read it. You didn't say you had a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> my God! You know that reminds me. Our listeners should sus- <laughs> should subscribe to our podcast. 
<laughs> That's right. We should be talking about that. It's so much better than Cosmopolitan. Oh, my Lord, Tony. We'll, we'll tell you how to get a rich guy. Cosmopolitan is like the magazine that has an article about, like, put a pink light bulb in the lamp in your bedroom and then a scarf over it. And then when you get out of bed and you're in bed with a guy, he won't see the cellulite on your legs. No, that is not true. Let me read you that the headlines. That is true. Let me read you the headlines. Hold Burned on. Burned down okay. my whole okay. fucking bedroom doing that. Yeah, 10 tricks to get a guy to like you. There's a headline on Cosmo. So Tony, Tony's got Thank an issue see. right in front of her. Go ahead, Wait Tony. a minute, wait a minute, wait okay. a minute. I tried the thing of putting the scarf over the lamp and it with caught- With the pink light bulb? It caught my bed, with the pink light bulb, and it caught my bedroom on fire. <laughs> and the guy I was with said, hey, fat ass. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, fat ass, the bedroom's on fire. So that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I don't recommend that. <laughs> well, I yeah. got to say, Paula, it's well known, and I learned this in Cosmo, that a, that a roaring fire in your bedroom adds 10 pounds. Hey, fat ass, Tony. the bedroom's on fire. <laughs> Tony, wear a bathrobe with a slit if you have bad legs. That is not, let me read you that the headlines in there. on the front of the I magazine. Think Bonnie's thinking of the 1963 <laughs> Cosmopolitan yeah. magazine. Well, that might be true. What are you talking about? Okay, tell Tony, us. Tony, read us the headlines. <laughs> tell us what's God in it. God damn it, okay. we're going to get you through this. Okay, our definitive guide to doing it for the first time. Voting, we mean. Well... See what it that's not there? the whole. Ma- that's not the whole magazine, Tony. You're skipping all the salacious <laughs> headlines. Okay. Um, okay. And Hold on. What kind of an idiot doesn't know about how to vote? Hey, okay. it's supposed it's, to help. Okay. <laughs> it's our definitive guide to voting in such a way as people can't see your cellulite. <laughs> how to vote sexy? Yeah. No, go on. Go ahead, Tony. There's other headlines sexy. there. Oh my God. That's a great one. That would be a great article. How to, okay. Let's hear another headline. Okay. How to haunt your ex. <laughs> yeah. That's way more sophisticated than what I was saying. Um, yes, you can have lay fancy things without going into debt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Tony, because we don't have all night. I we want do. you to now read us read us the headline that embarrasses you the most on the front of that Cosmo. Ooh, that's no, a good I, one. Nothing really embarrasses me on well, the cover of this go one. ahead, though. Mm-hmm. N- no, d- nothing does. Nothing? Mm-hmm. I'm not. No, I swear. I'm, I swear. There's that, there's that one. It's about the third one down on the uh, right beside the binding. That says, um, Tony Anita Hall, this is not your twat. That doesn't bother you. <laughs> yeah. There's that one. <laughs> that, does, that doesn't bother you at all? Because that would really bother me. No. But you know what? We're different. We're, we're from a different generation, Tony. So I, I understand. I know. I haven't... I haven't looked at Cosmo in a while, but most of the articles I remember seeing in Cosmo were things along the lines of that one spot that drives him wild. Hint, it's his penis. Here, here we go. I found something in the magazine. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. It didn't even deserve a headline. 
Um, are nipple gasms real, and how do I have one? <laughs> oh, well, wow. I know about this. Um, yes. In fact, you know, they called me um, for an, inter- an, an interview. Cosmo called me, yeah. Uh, it was set up by my publicist. <laughs> um, you know, because I've had so many nipple issues, what with the cats and the computer. Um, twice, right. twice I've slammed a laptop. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so are nipple gasms real? Probably, but not after you've been through the damage I have. No, not for you, because it's it's mainly scar tissue. Yeah, yeah, I'm having... Yes, they're legit, by the way, if anyone's yeah. wondering. Oh, oh I, like I, I needed a magazine article to tell me that. <laughs> oh my God, no, don't say no, that! No, no, stop no, stop no. no. Why? 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 <laughs> I am pouring bleach into my ears right now, Bonnie. I'm pouring bleach in my ears. Come on. I just I just found out something about Bonnie's nipples that I never wanted to know, which is that they crinkle. (laughs) Oh my god. Well, let's let's explore Cosmo further on a later broadcast. Meanwhile, I want to go up to the Simi Valley and ask. Um, wait, wait! I have an idea, Ca- Captain. Captain, yes. I have an idea. Can we sometimes, maybe for like a holiday show, do an all Cosmo episode? Absolutely, oh, I think that's I'd a be, great idea. I'd be completely into that. This podcast is mostly women, and there's a lot of good information there. Oh so, yeah, I think that's I'm, a great I'm idea. Yeah. But meanwhile, let's go to the Simi Valley and uh, ca- I can't Cap- stop. Captain the Captain Nipplegasm. Yeah, I'm saying we could get that in the dictionary for you, Captain Nipplegasm. Can you tell us your? (laughs) Oh my God! I hope your guilty pleasure be my new name. Stop saying it. You know what? Here's the problem. I could say stuff like, "Okay, I don't watch The Bachelorette anymore because it got so ridiculous that I couldn't do it anymore." So it didn't start out ridiculous. It started out pretty even keel, pretty. Like, you know, reasonable, was it? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is really my biggest problem about this, which is I've thought about what my guilty pleasures are. Yeah. And the only thing I could come up with, like it keeps coming to my head and pushing out all the other things I could think of. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to say it. It doesn't exactly fit the category, but here's what it is, okay? When I see people... The first thing I look at is to see if they have fat thighs. And if they don't have fat thighs, I think they have a happy life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm, that, you just you know, told tens of thousands of people. Yeah, you just told tens of thousands of people. Oh, no, so no, I wouldn't no, call no, that a guilty pleasure, but I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, wow. <laughs> I, you know... What I find interesting is that you're so concerned about whether whether others are are happy one way or the other. I mean, are you, you're not in charge of their happiness? No, it's the part that's ridiculous is thinking because they don't have fat thighs that somehow that's connected with 
Oh, they've ha- they have a happy life. No, you know what? Olive oil was always happy, even when Sweet Pea <laughs> fell out a window. Um, yeah, and she had very thin thighs. So I guess science has now confirmed this one. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you, Bonnie. I mean, it's not the assignment, but it's as close as you ever get to it. So that's... <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> um, oh my god! I'll do mine, which seems I'll do mine, which seems pretty pedestrian on an on an episode where we've already learned about Bonnie's viewing habits and Tony's. Uh, but, I think um, we did these in the wrong order. Yeah, because mine is my, the one I came up with was dumb. When I was a kid, here's mine. When I was a kid, I used to frequently sneak down to the kitchen and eat powdered Nestle Quick by the spoonful. Well, Bonnie relates to that. It was considered gross. And, you know, it was for years. It was a story that I told everybody about. Here's this this shameful thing that I used to do. And now I'm flash forward to just about two years ago. I'm uh, teaching at this uh, program that doesn't even matter. I'm teaching some theater to kids. And, um. And I get there early one day, and I notice that in the kitchenette, there's powdered Nestle Quick. And Mm. I was like, just for old time's sake, I'm sure I'm going to think it's gross. Let me try it again and see how it feels. And I took a spoonful of Nestle Quick, the powdered version, and put it in my mouth. And God damn it, is that stuff still tasty to me. Oh, I bet you. Loved it. Loved it still. I thought you were going to say something else. (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> no, then I wish I bad. wish I could stop myself from asking the question I'm about to ask Bonnie. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? That it tasted horrible, and you had a big spoonful in your mouth. Oh, oh you know that's not. No, I don't, that's not I don't want there to be even one more crime committed, <laughs> but I really would love for Bonnie Burns to be a witness to a crime and and, and then be asked by detectives what she saw. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, when they ran away, they ran away. Two of them were happy. One of them wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know, ma'am? Uh, you know, you know, their thighs. Um, uh, all right, now, Paula, you're batting clean up here. We've yeah, I'm, not, the- I'm definitely not in the right place. I, okay, this is not a guilty pleasure. It's just a piece of information that I happen to have. Right now, in my pantry, I have a cocktail sauce that is best when served by 21217. Oh, now that's okay, that, not a pleasure either, Paula. That's not the worst of it. I have a plum sauce okay. that's best if served if eaten before five thirteen fifteen. Oh God! Wow, that's again. If unless you eat it and enjoy it, that's not a guilty pleasure. No, it's not. I just thought it would go good with uh, chocolate milk. Okay. No, here's my guilty pleasure: is that my okay. dog Mo is terrified. Of my cat Severus, and uh, Mo is not always a well-behaved dog. She often doesn't listen when I tell her to come, or you know. And she kind of uh, sometimes she's she's overly aggressive with the rest of the cats. You know, she'll put her big paw on top of them, and they'll just be trapped under her paw until I go rescue them. So uh, right. it gives me great pleasure 
when my cat Severus hisses and lashes out at my dog Mo in such a way that Mo will cower and run away from the cat. That's my guilty pleasure. All right, that's fair. That's the that's whole fair. thing. It's, it's, that's it's, the whole thing. Yeah, no, I'd be I'd be guilty because it's a little bit sadistic. But then it again, is, Mo, uh, you know, Mo can be kind of a pain in the ass. I don't set it up. I don't I don't encourage it in any way. I just when it when it right. happens, I observe it. You enjoy it happily, with a little bit of guilt. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I want to add one more because we have it. Ken Lezebnik out in Brooklyn, you know, he's our he's our producer slash writer. Of course. He wrote in to let us know. He wrote in to let us know that his guilty pleasure is the Frankfurters at Fulton Hot Dog King. He says, in the heart of downtown Brooklyn, there's nothing more satisfying than a wiener at the Fulton Hot Dog King. I don't ask what's in that Frankfurter. I just know that for two fifty, it's the best comfort food around. Uh, is that a guilty pleasure? Or are you just saying you like street food? Um, I, I the think- way you said wiener... Was weird. <laughs> it was the way I said it, or sexual. the way Ken wrote it. No, the way you said it was very sexual. I don't think it was, Bonnie. I, I think you're kind of. Ever since we talked about Cosmo, you you really have just taken a turn for the worse. Yeah, I don't I think he said Bonnie, it. Turn. Do me a favor. Turn off the football highlights for the rest of this broadcast. Exactly. <laughs> Look, all all oh. Ken's saying that in downtown Brooklyn, and I'm quoting him, there's nothing more satisfying than a wiener. It's how you're saying it. Now, if you want to read into like that. Dog. How would you say oh. it, Bonnie? No, people say wiener. And what did I say? <laughs> you make it sound sexual. You said wiener. No, he um, doesn't. Has anybody... This is, this is so weird. Has anybody ever watched... A golf match and been like, you know, <laughs> seeing a golf guy swinging a ball and going, oh, do that again. There's there's nothing sexy about golfers. Nothing. I, I would kind of agree with you on that. Yeah. All right. So uh, I enjoyed our guilty pleasure section, even if even if uh, we didn't all really come through with pleasure things that are pleasurable and guilty oh for us. Oh, my gosh. You know what? <laughs> I cried during the guilty pleasure section. That um, was great. We so, should do that again at some point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, oh, Adam. What? Adam, I think I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to be at the Birchmere in Alexandria Friday, November 13th and Saturday, November 14th. And the tables are going to be spaced apart and people are going to wear masks and we're not going to infect one another. It's, it's just going to be a night of safe, fun and some relief from, uh, you know, all the struggles that we face. All the malarkey. Exactly, the, the malarkey. So that's the Birchmere Music Hall in Alexandria, Virginia, Friday, November 13th, and Saturday, November 14th. Well, that's fantastic. Is there anything else you want to plug, Paula? Well, I'll tell you, you know, Adam, um, a couple of weeks ago, we took a rasher from a listener. I think her name was Heidi. She said that half the show was plugs, and now I'm terrified to even mention that my catnip-filled Poundstone Pussy Pillow cat toys and remarkably soft tripoly blend t-shirts with the self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back are available at paulapoundstone.com. And I certainly don't feel free to tell anyone that you can get a video greeting from me for you or a friend at cameo.com slash paulap33. I'm just not going to risk saying it. Heidi will come down on me like a ton of bricks. 
Yeah, uh, to avoid Heidi's wrath, if I were you, I would just not say that stuff. Good choice there, Paula. Okay, now here's something exciting. Um, baseball season is over, but it turns out our Starburn Sports simulcast, me and Jeff Cesario, was such a hit that we are now going to take on, brace yourself, Bonnie, NFL football. That's right, which I also like to call Bonnie Burns Ball. That's starting this Thursday. The Starburn Sports simulcast returns with the Green Bay Packers against the 49ers. Here's how it works. You watch your game on Fox, but you get your comedy commentary audio. Turn down the sound on Fox. Turn us up at starburnsports.com. Okay. Well, Adam, I'm really happy for you. I have my money on the Green Bay Packers, and I've looked at Aaron Rodgers before. Oh, I did that. That that was entirely too high a level of detail. Well, Bonnie, to the extent that you ever have the sound on when you're watching football at all, uh, please listen to us at StarburnSports.com. I'm afraid to hear what you say about Aaron Rodgers. I, I hope he plays well. He's capable of it. Yes, he is definitely capable of it. Now, if you want to enter our theme song contest, send your song to us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. That's where you send that's where you send everything, including your guilty pleasures, and keep those rolling because I'm loving that segment. That's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com, and that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Max Miller, and thanks to our house band, Casey Bozell. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie, Starburns production by Land Romo, and a big thanks to the late Doug, our intern taken from us too soon. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You know, uh, Adam, Doug was trending a few days ago. Did you see that? On Twitter? Yep, yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're still no closer to catching Doug's killer, but uh, I'm glad that now we're crowdsourcing it and people are out there trying to figure out what's going on. No, once again, sweeping the nation. I mean, I didn't click on it, but uh, I, was, I was surprised to see it, frankly, because we don't really even have enough listeners to trend on anything. Um, but no, this, this no, apparently be, has captured the imagination of, uh, of uh, the United of the States. And right in the middle of uh, you know, so much election kerfuffle, I, I guess it was just a good distraction for people. You know, I, may, may, One might even say a guilty pleasure. A guilty pleasure indeed. Well, let's toast to that. Oh, and hey, Paula, I've got a wiener. Would you like one? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the way you said that. What do you mean? I've got a, a nice warm wiener right here, and I'm just offering it to you. Now, I tell you what, you put it in this cold bun. <laughs> okay. Starbands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.